Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. My chair is very creaky. I'm not farting. I would tell you. Um, I'm going to edit it out later. But like as I bend over to like get a different color of yarn, it's going to go. So sorry. I'll try to do it quietly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Snacks with Stein, show number 39. I'm Danielle. And Christy is busy with her yarn. I am. I'm and working, not saying anything. I'm working on a blanket. <laughs> well, I was ready for you to go in. Christy's in Colorado. And then I was going to say, hello. But then, you, then I just realized I you didn't say that you were in, in California. So that didn't make a lot of no, sense. Nothing much is new since we just saw, well, we just recorded. So nothing really happened in the last five minutes. But since this is the Goosebumps episode, I wanted to share a little story. And it's really cute and funny. We have... In our neighborhood, we know our neighbors to either side of us and then one house across the street because they've been there since we moved here. So we've known them, you know. My mom sees the one woman across the street, Heidi, quite often when she goes on walks or whatever. And I don't remember how it came up, but I think my mom had to get a package for Heidi when they were on vacation. So we were holding their mail for them. So they came over and she has her little boy, Ronan, who's really cute. And I think he's like... I don't know exactly how old he is, but he's in like elementary school, young elementary school age. And they came over and I was doing something for the podcast. I remember what I was doing. And he saw that I had like my Goosebumps books out. Uh And he was like, oh, I just watched that movie. I love that movie. And I'm not sure if he knew the books existed or not but he really was so he was talking to me about the movie for a while and then my mom's like oh yeah she talks about the books you know on her show but unfortunately it's for grown-ups but you know it's it talks about goosebumps books and so he was talking to me about his his favorites and stuff and so ever since then every time i get like a few books finished for the show since i have so many <laughs> i put a little bag together And I dropped them off at his house and he's been reading them. And I've given him like, I don't even know how many now, but however many episodes we've done, I have given him that many books. I think I have given him all of the books I have read. So he has his own little library now. And I was like, just give them away or donate it, whatever you want to do, you know, to his mom when you're done. Last week I gave him some, I dropped off some, and then I came home to a note and it says, it's to meet me and my mom. So it says, Dear Teresa and Danielle, thank you for the Goosebumps books. Goosebumps is my favorite movie. And a few hours ago, I watched Piano Lessons Can Be Murder. Thank you again from Ronan. So he's now watching the OG like 90s show, Aww. which is great. And he even drew, he even drew a little slappy for me on this oh, note. Oh, post it. Heart into a million pieces. And I'm going to post it. I just wanted to share here first so we had context. Doggone it. But I'm going, yes. Yeah, so Ronan is our little Goosebumps friend 
on the street. And even though he can't listen to our show, I wanted to give him a shout out anyway. So yes, Goosebumps is still alive and well with the children. That's the story. <laughs> well, he can listen to just this part to hear his name. Yes. Hey, buddy. Just this part. We love you. You're the mascot. Now turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Ronan and Heidi. We have a whole generation of weirdos to to lock into this early. It makes me wonder what it's because we were raised on the OG stuff. Like none of the new generation stuff was even out when we were kids. So I'm curious to see like this next generation who's now like discovering them new and reading them for the first time. They're going to grow into young adults and like their memories are now going to incorporate the new generation as well. Right. Excellent. Well, so real quick before you get started, I just want to take a second to let everybody know what I'm snacking on tonight. It's part of our show that we do every time, but tonight is actually, tonight's episode is sponsored. We are sponsored tonight by um, Plum Deluxe Tea. You can find them at plumdeluxe.com. They were kind enough to send us each a um, box of tea that was kind of curated to our tastes. Last episode, Danielle got to try some delicious chai tea. I personally am more of a mint kind of gal. Um, and when I when I told them, they sent me, which I'm having right now, it's called Refreshing After Dinner Mint Tea. It says, for any time you need to refresh or reset. And it's made from honeybush tea, peppermint, spearmint, ginger root, marshmallow root, clove, vanilla wow. essence. And they sent it in a cute little steeper and we love it. So we love Plum Deluxe Tea here on Snacks with Stein. You may send us all the free crap you want. We will say your name all the time. We love it. All the time. So we'll have those links for you um, in the show notes and also on Facebook and Twitter so that you can go check it out. It's a million different flavors of tea. It's hand blended. Um, It's very Mm. fancy, delicious tea and I just so happen to have a lone box of Girl Scout cookies at the very very the back final box. of the pantry and I think that it's the final box because they're shortbreads and they're less um, popular than all the other ones yeah. that get eaten in like two days <laughs> um, but shortbreads are perfect <laughs> next to some tea so that's what I'm going to have I'm going to work on my blanket and I'm going to let you tell me a story is it my Star Wars blanket? <clears throat> okay. This one is not yours. I am making uh, this for someone, and I'm making this for someone who is listening probably right now, so I'm not going to say who it is. But oh. yours is next. Sure. I've been told that for months. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Kenny just got his blanket. Yours is next. It is a Star I Wars blanket. I, I made a Chewbacca square already. And now I'm working on the RGD2 square. You. Tonight, we have the long awaited. I feel like I've been, sh- I, we should have done this one a long time ago for Andy, but we didn't. And I'm sorry. So we have Attack of the Mutant tonight. And this was chosen by our wonderful patron and contest winner, Andy Lakin. We have talked about him before. He lives across the pond. He's fabulous and is one of our superstar supporters and fans. So thank you again for your patience waiting for this book and for your patronage. And we hope that you enjoy this episode and that I do it justice. This was kind of a tough one to 
condense, but we'll see. So hopefully it goes okay. Um, and this particular book and this cover is, I guess, quote unquote, one of the celebrated covers in the Goosebumps catalog because it's, I'm blanking on the artist's name and that makes me a terrible fan, but it's the original artist who did like all the really OG Goosebumps books with the really cool art on the cover and the new and the new art book that is coming out, I think still this year with all of his artwork, I believe Attack of the Mutant is the cover of that book or like the, the mock-up at least. It could uh-huh. change, you know, how they do publishing yeah but the mock-up I saw has Attack of the Mutant as the cover art which I kind of thought was interesting because it doesn't scream goosebumps but it's not like a horror character necessarily but it is a very classic and original book so that's probably why yeah it's it's iconic I mean you you recognize it if you if you have even an inkling you know what that is now the art book is it all this artist's other work as well or is it just the covers that he did for goosebumps just goosebumps i can do a quick search okay the cover image is gone now but it so what it is it's called right now it's called the art of goosebumps (laughs) and it's supposed to be coming out october 12 2021 fingers crossed it's still coming by Sarah Rodriguez and Tim Jacobus or Jacobus. That is the artist who did a lot of the original. And did, were all those and, hand-drawn? Or I guess that they had to have been, right? They weren't digital yet. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. believe they were. So, yeah, and the art is super cool. So if you're just – if you're – that was one of the big selling points of Goosebumps was the art on the cover because it was sure. very visual. And it was like, what's this? You know, and the bright colors. And it was very, very 90s. So with the well, crazy colors. we didn't colors have a lot stuff. of horror available either. Like Right. It is on Amazon. You can pre-order it. But, of course, you never know when it's actually going to be released. But fingers crossed it is released this year. Is it expensive? I think Sometimes it's so- those art books are expensive. It's showing up as $29.99. So hopefully oh, that bad. stays but it is supposed to be a 200-page book, but Amazon does usually have the cheapest price. I know you can go to your local bookstore, and if you want to do that, do that. Support your local shops for sure. But if you want the deal, Amazon might be your best bet for the price. Because according to Sci-Fi, had the big article on it, it's supposed to be a 200-page deep dive into Mr. Jacobus and his time as this artist for goosebumps so and i believe well we're coming up on a big anniversary because it's 92 and then 2022 we're coming up on an anniversary so that could be part of the reason why okay Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. big long ass tangent well that's kind of what we do but it's the people know by now yeah like if if you don't know by now what you're in for you have no one to blame but yourself get a snack and chill so going back to the cover So going back to the cover now that I've talked about something else entirely. So what we have on the cover is he kind of looks Batman-ish to me. He kind of has a Batman look about him, but he's not. The movie Kick-Ass where the guy was like, everybody was like, are you sure you're not Batman? (laughs) (laughs) And it's this very like menacing sort of Batman comic book person jumping out at you and behind him is a very pink and green building which is important to the story unfortunately now that I'm an adult and I have a mind of an adult the building is very phallic and I can't stop now (laughs) I'm like oh 
it's ruined now. Un- okay, oh, now no. I have to search it. Hang on. Hold, please. Can't unsee it. I have to see <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> oh, man. It really does not help to not have a D or an F key. <gasps> no. Google can figure There's it no, out. Watch. No D or F. Oh, Only F. OF. Only F. Yeah. Oh, let's F, see. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like the um it's like the penis building at the uh, Morocco Pavilion in Disney World yes. that they had to change because everybody was taking a picture with it. Yep. It's very much like the penis building. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sorry Tim Jacobus, but your building was very phallic now well maybe he didn't originally so. draw it that way but the guy is in front of it now and now all we've got is a <laughs> yeah quite yeah. a tower so anyway any who any hoodles before this goes off the rails any further, <laughs> no. this this was published in 1994 so it is an early one or fairly early it cost $3.99 and my copy was apparently previously owned by Liz and Harry because they stamped it with an adorable kitty book plate. So thanks, Liz and Harry, for your book. The tagline is read at your own risk. <clears throat> so here we go. Skipper and his friend Wilson were in his room looking at Skipper's prized comic book collection. Wilson, get over the name right now. Sorry. It's a a dog's name. Skipper. And Barbie's sister. Sorry. It's Barbie's sister's name, too. Oh, that's right. Skipper. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going to hear Skipper a lot, so get the giggles out. All right. No, I'm good. (laughs) <laughs> okay no i'm for real i'm for real okay okay so wilson was looking at silver swan number zero which was protected from fingerprints by a plastic slip cover skipper grabbed it out of wilson's hands and fixed any wrinkles that his grubby fingers had caused skipper is pretty sure wilson is from mars he doesn't know anything about anything especially how valuable and cool this collection was. Wilson collected rubber stamps. And he was really proud of it. And he was just over because he had forgotten his math homework, which is something he does just about every day. Skipper often thinks that if life were a comic book, Wilson would be the hero and he'd be stuck as the sidekick just because Wilson was tall and skinny and Skipper was kind of short and pudgy. It was time for Wilson to head home, and as they head out the door, he sees the brown paper envelope waiting for him on his dresser, and his heart starts to race. His parents said he couldn't open it until he did his homework, but he just couldn't wait. So he rushes Wilson out and then runs back in and carefully, carefully starts to tear open the flap of the envelope, revealing the treasure that's inside. It was the masked mutant number 24 his absolute favorite comic series. This month's cover showed the heroic sponge life being squeezed to death by a giant octopus. Skipper keeps all of his comics in mint condition, in bags, but he reads The Mass Mutant cover to cover every month. 
To him, The Mass Mutant was the best drawn and best written comic book with the best villain ever. And why was The Mass Mutant the best villain? Because he can move his molecules. He can change into anything he wants, including the giant octopus squeezing sponge life dry. The Mass Mutant always escapes from the League of Good Guys, which is a group of six mutants with amazing powers. Skipper sprawled out on his bed and started to read. The sponge of steel had gotten his cape stuck on a coral reef and was now in the clutches of the disgusting octopus. Skipper thought the tentacles were so gross and slimy. Then suddenly, he felt something cold and wet on his neck. All I could think of was SpongeBob as I was reading. Yeah, I'm fighting SpongeBob images, but I gotta tell you, octopuses (laughs) are my favorite, so I'm totally rooting for the octopus. Me too. I love octopi. We're octopi Octopi. supporters in this They're smarter than us. So they kind of are. Our- it's a little disturbing. <clears throat> Didn't we read an article one time that said that like they had some kind of a theory or they were working on a study that said that maybe like octopuses actually are aliens. Like maybe they didn't mm-hmm. originate here. Yeah. They've had like certain theories about that. Yeah. Completely but unrelated. They're crazy. They're so Octopuses are cool. And squid, too. Don't forget the squid. All our tentacle friends are pretty sweet. He screamed and tried to struggle free, but the tentacle's grip was getting tighter. He couldn't move. And then he heard laughter. It was his nine-year-old sister, Mitzi. Why are your hands so cold? He shouted. Because she had put them in the fridge. Why? And she laughed and said, so they'd be cold and scare you. Their dad had sent Mitzi up. Sorry. Just to confirm, these parents have named their children Skipper and Mitzi? <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm not. I got, okay, we won't. Okay, I'm just, just making okay, sure. <laughs> Skipper and Mitzi. So their dad had sent Mitzi up to check that Skipper was doing his homework and not reading comics. But he was caught red-handed and therefore in big trouble. Skipper tried pleading with her. Please, I just have to read it. Tell dad to do my math homework. Do me a solid. But dad was in the doorway before he could finish his sentence. And the next sound was dad's booming voice shouting, Skipper! Things were about to get ugly. So Mitzi made a quick exit as usual. He had been warned three times this week about his comic books. Skipper's dad asked him, do you know why your grades are so bad? And instead of keeping his mouth shut, he answered back, because I'm a bad student. Big mistake. Dad hated backtalk. His dad reminded him of a big bear. And when he heard Skipper's reply, he stomped to the back of the room and let out a big roar, just like a bear. He picked up Skipper's comic book collection and said, that's it, I'm tossing them out. But Skipper didn't panic. Dad had threatened to do this a few times now and never went through with it. Skipper always thought that Dad would be part of the League of Good Guys. His biggest problem was just that he didn't approve of comic books. He thought they were trash, even though Skipper tried to explain how much they would be worth someday. Skipper promised he would get started on his homework, but not before asking to finish the mass mutant. Another mistake. 
and dad picked up the box again. Skipper relented and promised up and down that he'd get started on homework and no more comic books for the night. He really wanted to find out how Sponge Life escaped. My apologies. I couldn't hear what you said. Sorry. Siri decided to wake up. How come your Siri is Australian? Because I hate um, the the robot voice, so we made her Australian. (laughs) That's sassy. I love it. Okay, I'm so sorry. Um, He really wanted to find out how Sponge Life escaped and went back to reading, but he sensed Mitzi was nearby and started working on his homework. Speeding through math, he wasn't good at it anyway, and on to science, which got him thinking about the mass mutant and his molecules. After grabbing himself a bowl of frosted flakes, saying a quick goodnight to his parents, he ran upstairs and shut the door behind him to finally get back to reading. Sponge Life escaped the mutant's clutches by making himself really, really small, which Skipper thought was genius. The mass mutant slunk back to his lair in defeat. Wait, his lair? This was the first time they had shown the whole evil lair. (gasps) Skipper was surprised by how it looked. Sort of like a big pink fire hydrant. It was all pink stucco with green capped roofs. It wasn't menacing at all. Which made sense. This way he could hide in plain sight. Nobody would suspect a supervillain lived in something like that. The story ended with the mass mutant being met by a shadowy figure in his communications room. Skipper knew instantly that it was the leader of the League of Good Guys, the Galloping Gazelle. Two days later, on a cold, clear day, Wilson was racing towards Skipper. He stopped in front of him, completely out of breath. Want to come over and see my stamp collection? Skipper absolutely did not. Luckily for him, he had an orthodontist appointment to get his braces tightened. Skipper was taking the bus, which was a weekly thing for him as the orthodontist was only a few blocks away from the comic book shop on Gooddale Street. He went there every week to check out all the new releases. He waved goodbye to Wilson and ran to the bus. The driver was nice and waited for him, and he thanked him. But had he known the bus was about to take him on the most frightening adventure of his life, he probably wouldn't have. How old is this kid? I don't remember if they say. Let me see if I can find it. I'm just curious why he's riding the city bus by himself. (laughs) Is that a thing? You lived in a city growing up. I don't remember taking it really by myself. But, I mean, I think he's not, he's probably like 12 See, we lived out in the country, so that was never, ever, ever, ever an option. I don't even think that, like, our major city had a bus line then. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Maybe that's different for, like, like just normal for kids who live in a city. Like, they take the bus places, I guess. So Mitzi is nine years old. So he's, like, 11, right? He's probably, like, 12, somewhere in that range. Yeah, he likes comic books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was just curious yeah. if that was a regional right. thing. <laughs> or No, I mean, the bus wasn't super safe, like, in the city, so we didn't take it alone. Well, no. yeah, like, that's, I mean, and I'm not trying to be elitist here. Like, if you take the bus, good for you. Take the bus. I know a lot of people yeah. that take the train in and stuff. But, like, at least mm-hmm. where I live in Denver, like, 
Mm, uh, probably not after dark. Not if you've got boobs. Yeah. It's a bad idea. So the bus was unusually crowded. He had to stand for a little while and then finally found a seat. Checking his watch, he realized he didn't have time for comics today. Then a girl's voice interrupted his thoughts. Hey, do you go to Franklin? He looked up to see a carrot-haired girl with green eyes and freckles on her nose. He says he does, and she asks how it is as she takes the seat next to him. Skipper says it's okay, and then she asks his name. He says Skipper, and she starts to laugh. That can't be a real name. Well, it's what everybody called him. Since as a little kid, he loved to skip and would skip everywhere. But his real name was Bradley. Oh, so it's Bradley and Mitzi. Bradley. (laughs) Uh, Remember Trading Places? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and they're they're at like the country club and he like walks up and they're talking yes. about their game of squash and she's like and he stepped on the ball <laughs> and all their names are like Muffy or Mitzi or yeah. Muffin probably and yeah. Bradley Chet Todd I guess I'll just have Chet. to tape Todd to take me yeah mm-hmm. sorry that's what Good I keep thinking Todd. Mitzi yeah all right okay. So she introduces herself as Libby Zacks. She asked if he was headed home, and instead of talking about his ortho appointment, he said he was going to the comic book store. Turns out Libby was a comic collector too, but of comics that Skipper absolutely hated. High School <laughs> Harry and his friend Beanhead. Okay, Skipper so didn't that- hide his feelings. <laughs> that uh, Jughead and uh, Archie's that we were... Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay, go yes. ahead. You know, more is revealed later and okay. it's very clear that Stein is making fun of high school hair. Of Archie. Yeah, it's, Archie it's comics. Jughead and yeah. Archie. Mm-hmm. So Skipper didn't hide his feelings from Libby and she defended her collection and teased him back for collecting all that stupid superhero junk. Looking, at the, looking out the window... He sees Pearl's Antiques and the hardware store and thinks, did they already pass the comic book store? Libby was still going on about her collection and then she asked if all the boys at Franklin were like him. He laughs and says, no, he's the coolest. He wasn't sure if he liked Libby or not. She was pretty cute and kind of funny. Suddenly he felt a pain in his chest as out the window was a neighborhood he'd never seen before. He had missed his stop. Jumping up and ringing the bell to get off, he starts to feel like a panic attack is coming. Then a voice from behind asks if he's lost. It was Libby. She had gotten off the bus with Skipper because this was her stop. She was about two blocks from home. Then something across the street made Skipper audibly gasp. He was staring at a large pink stucco building with a green domed roof. It was the secret lair of the masked mutant. Skipper was staring goggle-eyed at the building. His jaw nearly hit his knees. He had never seen colors like this in real life. These were comic book colors on a comic book building, but there it was standing on a real life street corner. He convinced himself that it was real, that this was the secret headquarters of the mass mutant, but how? Then two hands shook his shoulders, snapping him out of his thoughts. It was Libby again, asking if he was in shock. Then he stammered, that building. 
Libby said, isn't it the ugliest thing you've ever seen in your life? Skipper still couldn't form words. Libby's dad said that the architect had to be colorblind and that it looks more like a blimp standing on its end than a building. Does it, Libby? Finally, does it? Yes. That's what Libby thinks it looks like anyway. <laughs> oh, Libby knows. Libby I mean, it, knows. It does sound pretty good. Libby knows. <laughs> Finally regaining the ability to speak, he asked Libby if she knew how long it had been there as he studied the glass doors. But Libby didn't know. They had only moved there last spring and it had already been there. The clouds began to darken and a cold wind blew down the street. Libby assumed it was some kind of office, but there was no sign or anything to know for sure. And Skipper just thought, well, duh, there's no way the mass mutant is going to put a sign on the lawn. She asks him again if he's okay, and he realizes she must think he's a lunatic and just blurts out, oh, I just think I've seen that building somewhere. Libby had to get home and invited Skipper over to see her comic books, but he said that he was late for the orthodontist. Now she was confused because he had left that out earlier. They say their goodbyes and she jogs off toward home. Skipper was sure Libby thought he was a total geek, but he was still in complete shock. The top of the building was now hidden by clouds and looked like a rocket ship. That side of the street seemed to be deserted, and he kept trying to convince himself that it was just a really ugly office building. But suddenly he found himself a few feet away from the entrance and he peeked in the glass doors. He didn't see anything or anyone because he thought for a moment, he thought he might actually see superheroes inside. His face was right up against the glass and he could make out pink walls and a row of elevators, but no people. He grabbed the desk with the glass door handle. Should I go in? Skipper started to tug at the heavy door, but out of the corner of his eye, he saw the blue and white bus coming toward him. If he got on now, he'd only be a few minutes late to his appointment, and he turned and ran to the bus stop. He felt a mix of disappointment and relief. The idea of walking right into the headquarters of the mass mutant was pretty scary. The bus came to a stop, and he wanted to get out one he wanted to get one last look at the building, and he pressed his face against the window. The bus pulled away, and a few seconds later, the building disappeared into the distance weird. The next day at school, Skipper was telling Wilson all about the building and that he had confirmed the building looked exactly like the headquarters. They swapped lunches and Wilson had an idea. He asked Skipper who the artist for the mass mutant was. Skipper tells him that it's Jimmy Storenko. How does he not know this stuff? Wilson figured that at some point in time, Sturenko visited Riverview Falls, was driving around, and saw the building. He sketched it and thought that would make a great lair for the mass mutant. That had to explain how the building is here. Skipper was picking up what Wilson was putting down, and it made a lot of sense, which kind of disappointed him. But he knew that was silly. Lunch was almost over, and Wilson once again asked Jimmy to come over, but he impolitely declined and said he had plans. He was going to take the bus back to the building, but go inside this time. But his plans were foiled by a mountain of homework, and he had to go straight home, and then the next day, it snowed. 
The next chance he got, Skipper hopped on the bus, feeling really brave. He was going to march right in and just ask the security guard or receptionist who worked in the building. The bus was packed with kids, and he glanced around for Libby, but didn't see her. It was a super bright day, and he couldn't stare out the window too long without being blinded. But he had to keep track because he wasn't exactly sure of the stop. Then he recognized the park and almost knocked over other kids as he shouted, Getting off! and stumbled out the bus. He knew he was in the right spot, and he raised his eyes to the strange building, but instead he was staring at a large, empty lot. The building was gone. Was it gone, or does he just not know where he is? We don't know. Is he lost? Perhaps. I mean, we had a very logical conclusion from Will Wilson, which I was a little surprised yeah. about because I thought he was going to be like our doofy friend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I feel like he's probably just in the wrong part of town. Like he doesn't really know where he's going. Yeah. And I can't get places no. when I know where I'm going. So yeah, I don't know left or right. So my boyfriend's literally like tattoo left and right on your hand. <laughs> well, if you really left and right, yeah, I'm so bad at it because <laughs> I don't know direction like direction. I don't know northeast, I don't know west. Either. But sometimes I'm like right, le- like it's it's too hard for me. I'm sorry. This is well, which sad. hand do you pledge allegiance with? Probably the wrong. Okay. I know that I write with my right hand and my right hand is my dominant hand. That I know. Well, okay. It's just sometimes I completely space out. Like it's just one of those things that I'm like, I don't know, go that way. And he's like, left or right? And I'm like, that way. Whatever way I'm pointing. Exactly, exactly. You can see me point clearly. <laughs> Is he just screwing with you at this point? Like he just wants to see. I think so. (laughs) He was frozen in shock. How could an entire building disappear in one week? Then another bus pulled up to the stop and Libby came bouncing out, waving hello. Do you know what happened to the building? Libby thought, geez, how rude. Don't even say hello back. Libby assumed they tore it down. It was so ugly, the city probably got complaints. But Skipper kept quizzing her. Did you see them do it? Did you see bulldozers? Wrecking balls? Did you see anything? No, she hadn't actually seen anything. But then again, she wasn't exactly looking. She couldn't believe that Skipper had come all the way back just to see that ugly-ass building. Skipper finally told her the truth. The building is from a comic book. She just looked at him like she was crazy, but invited him over again. And because he was so frazzled, he stupidly said yes. Skipper was out of Libby's house in less than an hour. He couldn't take looking at another high school Harry and Beanhead comic. They are so boring. Why can't people tell the girls are drawn exactly the same, just with black and blonde hair? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a soap opera, though. So he started jogging. I loved Archie. No I shame. I love Archie, but I do. I love. I like a soap opera, so I'm, I'm yeah. into it. 
He started jogging toward the bus stop just as the sun was starting to set. He was hoping that soon as he turned the corner, the building would be back, but of course it wasn't. He had to wait 30 minutes for the next bus and all he could think about was the building. When he got home, he had a brown paper bag waiting for him. Yes, it was the Masculine Special Edition he had been waiting for. He could finally figure out what happened when he faced off against the Galloping Gazelle. Before racing to his room, he called a quick hi to his mom and threw his backpack down. And there it was, right on the cover. The pink and green building. Skipper's hand trembled as he opened the page. The title was Morning of a Mutant. And the mass mutant was standing before a wall of about 20 TVs, all showing different members of the League of Good Guys. The mass mutant was tracking all of them, and they'll never find him because he threw an invisibility curtain around his headquarters. Skipper's mouth dropped open, and he almost dropped the book on the floor. His head was spinning faster than the amazing Tornado Man. Is this why he didn't see the building yesterday? Was the comic book giving him answers? Was he totally insane? The following day, he was on the bus and determined to get into that building. He spotted Libby, plopped down next to her, and told her his plans. Do you ever say hi? She was clearly annoyed and rolled her eyes at him. Skipper said hi and went back to talking about the building and how he read just the other night there was an invisibility curtain around it. She was staring at him, not blinking, not moving, and he thought she was finally starting to understand why he was so excited. Next, her hand was on his forehead and she said, you don't feel warm. Are you seeing a shrink? You're actually out of your mind. He pushed her hand away and said he'll prove it. Come with me to the building. But Libby was scooting close to the window, trying to get as far as she could from Skipper. She couldn't believe she was sitting next to a boy who thought comic books were real. The bus pulled to a stop and they both exited. And just as before, the lot stood empty. He asked Libby one more time. He was coming with him. And even though she thought he was insane, she decided to join. Girlfriend. No. Yeah, Libby, come on she... now. <laughs> You're probably the only girl she... in the comic book store. I feel like you <laughs> could have your pick. Right? I think so, too. She asked how they were supposed to get past this so-called curtain. And Skipper explained that all they had to do was walk through. It should feel like a cloud of smoke. They crossed the street and approached the empty lot. Taking a step onto the dirt and then another step forward and then Libby suddenly stopped. She stopped because there it was. The pink and green building was once again right in front of them. Skipper was right. The comic book was real. He couldn't speak, and his heart was racing faster than Speed Boy. Libby grabbed his arm and wanted to get out of there, and she sounded really frightened. But they couldn't leave now. They had to go in. They took one step into the brightly lit lobby. Skipper had never felt so scared in his whole life. The lobby seemed to stretch on forever and felt enormous. 
This was not, there was not one piece of furniture in the place. Libby was clinging to Skipper's arm, equally scared, and asked, where is everybody? Then in the distance, Skipper heard a soft beep, and a stream of yellow light shone across their bodies, scanning them from head to toe. It caused a tingling sensation, like how it feels when your arm falls asleep. Libby apparently didn't see a thing or feel a thing. She just wanted to get the hell out of there because this was too creepy. Skipper had set his eyes on the bank of elevators. He says out loud, trying to convince himself and Libby that it was just an office building and everything was fine. But Libby wasn't having it. If it's an office, where are the workers? It's not a holiday, it's a Thursday. She ran toward the elevators to catch up with Skipper, but she was on to him. She knew he was thinking it was the headquarters of that stupid comic book character. Skipper's knees were shaking so hard he could hear them. If this wasn't his headquarters, how does that explain the invisibility curtain? All explained to Libby was that this place was creepy and she was going home. He tries to tell her there is only one way to find the truth. Let's just ride the elevator up and down. Maybe the door is on a few floors and take a peek. Libby was pale. No way. Skipper was on his own as she was backing up toward the glass doors. He noticed the blue and white bus was pulled up and for a moment he thought about running away, getting on the bus and going home. But if he did that, he would feel like a total wimp and the mystery would haunt him forever. He tells Libby, fine, go home, I'm going up. Once again, she rolled her eyes and agreed to go, but only because she felt sorry for him. Skipper didn't really know what she meant by that. She was sorry that he was so messed up in the head and thought comic books were coming to life. What's the worst that could happen on an elevator? It wasn't like the mass mutant was going to jump inside and attack them. They'd go up and probably see a bunch of boring offices. He presses the button and steps inside. It was all dark wood paneling and silver accents and nothing else, except for the rows of buttons for the floors. No signs, no emergency exit, nothing. It dawned on him that the lobby had no signs either. The door closed behind them and he pressed a button for one of the upper floors. It lit up and they started to move. But instead of going up, they were going down and fast. No. You're all going to die down here. No, I've seen this movie. (laughs) We've all seen this movie, guys. You're gonna be cubed by a laser. Get out of there. (laughs) the elevator stopped with a thud that made skipper's knees bend and he checked in on libby she was okay skipper had pushed up they should have gone up why was the door open he even tried shouting open at it but nothing worked libby was starting to panic she felt like she couldn't breathe the air was running out it wasn't Staring at the control panel, he saw a button that said open, pushed it, and luckily the door opened. They were likely in the basement. It was full of pipes and a big furnace. He couldn't see much of anything, and Libby demanded they get back in the elevator. So they step inside and find the button marked lobby. But the door didn't close, and the elevator didn't move. 
He just starts jamming at the buttons and he starts to panic, thinking he'd be trapped in a dark basement with Libby forever. He pressed every button five. I know. I hate it when like buttons don't work and then my kids start like spamming the button. I'm like, you're making it worse. (laughs) Stop doing that. (laughs) Here's a good, very quick elevator story. We were staying at a hotel for a convention and it's by Disneyland. We had never stayed there before. And we were like, it was, we were dead ass tired. Disneyland day. It was probably after midnight. We saw a couple friends at the bar, chit chatted for a few minutes. We're like dead ass, right? I wasn't even wearing shoes. Like that's how tired I was. <laughs> and my feet hurt so this. I don't care. Hotel. I'm not wearing shoes. I don't care yeah, anymore. Okay, you know, gotcha. that's know how tired you're at. Right. So we go to the elevator. We're like, good night, everyone. Bye. And then we get in the elevator and it's not fucking moving. And the door is not opening. And I hate elevators. And I'm like, fuck. Oh, my God. What is happening? Oh, my God. And then finally the door opens and someone gets in and we're like, oh, don't get in. The elevator's broken. And he's like, you got to use your key. To get to the floor. Oh no! And I'm like, what? <laughs> you yeah. have to put your room key in the damn slot to make the elevator go. Yeah. So we were dumb. Thing. Yeah. Yes. No, you were. Which just is tired. nice. We were so tired. Super. <laughs> <laughs> but I. Was, I can I see you just that like button. Like, ah! Head butting the inner wall like a rhino over yeah. and over. Why won't this yeah. work? <laughs> I was Libby being like, I can't breathe. The air is gone. <laughs> like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, door. that's my quick elevator story. Danielle's in the fetal position. Somebody walks on. I'm like, scans yes. their car. Oh. And see you like, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. So he was pressing every button five or six times. Good luck Even with the that. button mark emerged. <laughs> Libby figured they could find another elevator. There was a row of them. So they step out and suddenly the damn door closed behind them. What the hell? The wall was smooth. No other elevator seemed to come down here. There wasn't even a button on the wall to get that elevator back. Libby started to wail. There's no way out. Skipper pointed across the room. Maybe they'd find other elevators over there or a set of stairs. Libby wasn't convinced, and she was never going to step foot in another elevator as long as she lived. She kept her hand on his shoulder as they walked and were startled by the rumblings of the machinery and the hum of the furnace. They approached the far wall, and there was no elevator door, elevator or door to be found just smooth plaster and a tangle of cobwebs. Light came from a doorway at the opposite wall and they decided to see where it led. Pale light was casting shadows down the long concrete tunnel, which was lined with dark doorways. Skipper peeked in each one, which were full of boxes, sheets of metal, coiled metal springs, and other things he couldn't recognize. Skipper kept calling out, hello, hello, there was no reply. Flashing red lights in the largest room caught his eye. It looked like some kind of large control panel filled with dials, gears, and levels. Levers, sorry. 
levels, levels. He just likes things really perfectly square. <laughs> levers. Okay. Three tall stools sat in front of the controls, but no one sat at them. The room was just as empty as the basement. He whispered to Libby and turned to make sure she was still okay, but she was gone. Skipper's entire body shook. He shouted her name and squinted down the hallway. There was no sign of her. He retraced their steps, stopping at every door to look, taking the curve of the hallway and finding new doors, more corridors, and then more doors. The next corridor led to a ginormous, brightly lit room, so bright he had to shield his eyes to see. He was face to face with some kind of enormous machine. It had to be at least a block long. A large control panel stood to one side, and there was a conveyor belt that led to some kind of large wheel, which was spinning white paper. It was a huge printing press. He approached it, and the paper on the floor that was smeared and crinkled and so high up, it came to his knees. Calling for Libby again, but there was no reply. Seeing a red stool at the table at the back wall, questions are to fill his mind. Where was Libby? Was he in the basement of collectible comics where they print the mass mutant? He turned back to the table and gasped. The mass mutant was staring up at him. A large colored drawing of the mass mutant was staring back at him from the table. He picked it up and studied it. It appeared to still be wet, but when he rubbed his finger across it, the ink didn't move. He wondered if Sterenko had drawn this portrait. Skipper noticed a row of paper on the back wall and approached it. It was full of drawings, mostly pencil, of the Mass Mutant, the League of Good Guys, and others he had never seen before. He was so excited by what he found that he was just starting to feel forget about Libby. This had to be the headquarters of collectible comics. And he didn't feel afraid anymore. Rifling through folder after folder, he found a set of drawings that were from a comic book he had just read, and they were so much bigger than he imagined. Then he found a set of new pencil drawings he didn't even recognize. It must be for an issue we didn't have, but he was sure he had them all. Skipper was having a great time, <laughs> but he knew it had to end. <laughs> hey, buddy, focus. Where's your friend? <laughs> right. He's like, no, 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 but this is cool. Skipper was having a, I'm having a great time. <laughs> having a great time over here. Jeez. It's like when you're drunk and everyone's like, you got to go home. And it's like, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> it's me at Disneyland. Ma'am, it's midnight. But I'm having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Ma'am, it's time to leave now. No, it isn't. You can't. Just leave me you here. Can't. Just leave me. <laughs> I'll sleep on a bench. I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. just leave. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. We're we'll just never bringing I'll Libby see. again to the tower. Please. I keep wanting to say Tower Terror, but that's not what's happening right now. Right. Kind of the Tower of Terror, a little bit. The elevator was. <laughs> well, yeah. So he was having a grand old time, but he knew it had to end. And it ended when he opened the last folder and he saw pencil portraits 
of himself. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Skipper told himself that he was just imagining things. The boy in the drawings just happened to look a little like him. There was no way it was actually him. But he kept studying them. Same round face, same haircut, same clothes. The boy even had the same chipped front tooth. Why would someone have drawings of him? A cold chill ran down his back and he started to feel very frightened. In one of the drawings, Skipper was running away with his arms outstretched. In another, he was making a furious expression. And in another, he had bulging muscles, which he thought was pretty cool. As he was shuffling the papers, he heard footsteps and he realized he wasn't alone. Where were you? It was Libby and she was furious. But Skipper had the same question for her. Where did she go? He went looking for her, but she disappeared. No, he didn't. Apparently, she, <laughs> Apparently she thought she was, she was, he thought she was behind him and she thought he was in front of her. And when she turned a corner, he was gone. She had found some elevators that worked and was ready to get the hell out of this place. But Skipper kept trying to tell her about the drawings of him and the giant printing press. Libby was having none of his crap. He was batshit and needed mental help. He seemed so normal, but he was definitely not. She was done with his sick imagination and took off without him. Skipper didn't want to be left alone in this place either, so he called out to her and joined her at the elevators. She pushed a button tentatively, and an elevator door slid open in front of them. Before stepping inside, they took a quick look, and everything appeared normal. Libby found the button for lobby, and thankfully this time the elevator did what it was supposed to do, and once again they saw the pink walls of the lobby, and they cheered. They ran through the lobby and out the glass doors, catching their breaths once they were out, once their feet hit the sidewalk. Libby took off. Her mom was going to flip out. She was so late. Skipper asked one more time if she believed him about the drawings. But of course she didn't. Who would? As Skipper sat on the bus to go home, the Billy disappeared again. All Skipper wanted to do when he got home was decompress and sort out what had happened today. But Wilson was waiting for him. He had taken it upon himself to bring some of his rubber stamps to show Skipper. Yay. Woo. Oh, rubber a stamp stamps. collection? I thought it was like a stamp. Rubber stamps. Oh, oh rubber stamps. Oh, Wilson's a scrapbooker. <laughs> rubber stamps. Hey, stamp. don't diss paper craft. I'm not. I'm not off of... <laughs> I don't have a problem with scrapbookers. <laughs> and I actually do think the stamps are cool, but like, I'm not sure I would collect them because I'd want to use them. I'm not one of those. Yeah. I'm not a good collector because I like things yeah. to be functional. So if I buy right. something, I, I use, want to keep I it. Stamps, I like to use it. Them. We have a lot of stamps because we've embossed a lot of Christmas cards. Like I love embossing. So I'll, Chris, I'll do that on our Christmas card envelopes and stuff. And like other, um, like, I can send you a whole box of rubber stamps I got at the thrift store. There's like 50 in there. Nice. I never, ever use them. We'll send them. 
Wilson. He'll love it. <laughs> Wilson. I don't know why I feel disdain for this Wilson. It's like he has ups and downs. Like he was so sane. Now he's like, here I am with my stamps. <laughs> Skipper tried to tell him that he wanted to be alone, but he didn't get the hint, and he found himself looking at a supposedly very old stamp of a ladybug. Eventually, he couldn't take it anymore and tried to tell Wilson that something happened today and he wanted to think about it alone. So naturally, Wilson asked what was wrong And Skipper told him that he thought he found the headquarters of the collectible comics and about the drawings of himself he had found. Wilson couldn't keep up, and Skipper realized the story was just too insane. He managed to get Wilson out of his house after some more cajoling, and on his way he noticed another brown paper envelope waiting for him. He tore it open, and it was the next issue. The title was, A new foe for the mutant? A new foe? That couldn't possibly be... Skipper raced upstairs to study the comic. Was it going to give him all the answers to his myriad of questions? No. It just raised more. Because on the first page, there was an image of the building. With someone trying to get inside. Someone that looked like Skipper. He was staring at the comic book so hard... He thought his eyes were going to pop out of his head. How could this be? According to the comic, the galloping gazelle had been captured and was trapped in a room that was getting hotter and hotter. He would soon become the boiling gazelle. His hands were shaking so hard, he nearly tore the next page as he turned it. There was Skipper, sneaking through dark hallways, his face dripping sweat wearing the exact clothes he had on right now. Mom and dad have to see this. He jumped off the bed, tore down the stairs, burst into the kitchen where they were cooking dinner. Dad was crying while chopping onions, and mom was struggling with lighting the stove. Skipper was waving the comic around wildly, trying to get their attention, but they ignored him and dismissed him. Finally, he lost it and screamed, Will you look at this? Mom gave a quick glance and agreed it looked a little like him. Dad was sobbing into a towel, so there was no way he could look. Skipper was furious. Their son was in a famous comic book and they could give a shit less. He slammed the book shut and stomped out of the room. But not before his mom yelled for him to set the table. Why couldn't Mitzi do it? But she told him again, more sternly this time, and he said he would in a couple of minutes. He was too excited to read the end. So just skipped ahead to the preview page for next week. The galloping gazelle was still trapped in the boiling room, and the mass mutant was in the doorway, ready to declare victory. But Skipper noticed a small white thought bubble above the gazelle's head. It said, only the boy can save me now. Only the boy can save the world from the masked mutant's evil. But where is he? Was Skipper the boy? Was he the only one that could save Gazelle? Did he have to go back to the building? Dun, dun, dun. Save the cheerleaders. Save the world. (laughs) I had a shirt that said that. 
Because that show was kick-ass. We've already talked about this. It was for like a minute, and then it got pooped. Well, again, not their fault. The writers went on strike, but it was pretty cool for a minute. Yes. After school the next day, Skipper ran to the bus. It was a dark, cold day, and the sky looked like a sheet of ice. He wondered if he would see Libby. He wanted to tell her about the new comic and wondered if she would come with him again. But then he realized she'd never believe him, and she was scared to death of the building. A voice from behind startled him. It was Wilson. Immediately, Skipper told him he didn't have time to cover for to, to come over or for more stamps. He was going somewhere. But to his surprise, Wilson said he had given up stamp collecting. The bus pulled up and Skipper climbed in. Wilson said, see you later. And as the doors closed, Skipper remembered where he was going and thought, would he really ever see Wilson again? Libby wasn't on the bus and Skipper was kind of relieved. He didn't really want to hear her say he was crazy for going back and thinking the comic was real. He got off the bus and crossed the street. The building was back under the invisibility curtain but he knew it was there. He studied his nerves and walked through the curtain and found himself at the glass doors. His heart was pounding in his ears and his mouth went dry. Even though he'd been inside before, it was still an awe-inspiring sight. Stepping into the lobby, it was just as deserted as the day before. And the only sound were his sneakers squeaking across the floor. He started to wish Libby had come as he reached the elevators and pushed the button. This was it, he thought. Then he heard a laugh. A cold, evil laugh. <laughs> Coming right from behind him. Skipper cried out and spun around. Nobody was there, but the laugh didn't stop. It seemed to be coming from a small black box that was on the wall above the elevator bank. Skipper's brain was screaming at him to get out of there right now. Run out the door, go home. But he ignored it and pressed the button. He wondered what would happen if he pressed down this time, since last time he tried up and they went down. But he didn't get a chance to press a thing. The elevator door is closed and it started to go up, up, up. It passed many floors until stopping at floor 46. Was this the top? The doors opened and Skipper found himself in a gray hallway. Everything was gray and it looked like he had stepped into a black and white movie. He looked around and listened for anything, anyone, but was met with silence. No office noise, no people, no humming machinery. The hallway started to seem familiar, and he remembered that in the comics, the Mass Mutant's lair was full of hallways like this, with rooms with other supervillains, but everything was brightly colored. He started to think that this hallway kind of looked like a pencil sketch that hadn't been colored in yet. But how is that possible? He was thinking crazy thoughts because he was scared. Then he heard a sound. It was a loud thump then a bump, then another thump. It was coming from somewhere up ahead, maybe around the corner. He didn't want to approach it, but he found himself walking toward the sound. 
and when he turned the corner, he couldn't believe his eyes. The hallway was completely in color, brightly lit walls and floors, just like he had remembered from the comics. He heard the sound again. It sounded like it was coming from behind a bolted metal door. Skipper called out, Hello, is anyone in there? No reply. Hello, anyone? Then more thumps, like something knocking against wood. Skipper tried again. Hello? Then a man's voice responded. Can you help me? Skipper hesitated for a moment. Should he help him? He grabbed the metal bolt with all his strength and opened the door. Stumbling in, he gasped and said, You're real. Who is it? Any guesses? Hmm. Oh, I forgot who was locked up in the... uh... Is it the sponge? Trapped in the boiling room. No. Steel sponge? Um, Mm-mm. It's the steel sponge's cousin, the copper sponge. <laughs> steel wool. Um, no. It was the galloping gazelle. Oh, right, 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 right. The boiling gazelle. Got it, got it. Yes. His mask was twisted and his cape was wrinkled. But Skipper knew without a doubt that he was in the room with the galloping gazelle. He felt like he was in some kind of daze and blurted out, You're really alive? The galloping gazelle said, Of course, untie me and hurry. We don't have much time. You can get my autograph later. Time? Skipper stammered. The gazelle said, He'll be back for us. What did he mean, us? Skipper started to untie the knots that held the <laughs> Bitch, rope. I don't even know clothes. you. He's coming back yeah, for uh, you. Us. <laughs> us. <laughs> Skipper started to untie the knots that held the ropes around the galloping gazelle. They were tough and cutting up his hands, but he just pushed through the pain until the gazelle was free. He turned to Skipper and asked how he even found him in the hideout. Was it laser vision? Did he connect with him telepathically? Um, I took the bus. (laughs) The gazelle didn't seem to register what Skipper had said, and he said they were going to pay the mass mutant a surprise visit. Skipper hesitated. Did he really want him to come with? Apparently, the gazelle did expect Skipper to come and promised not to be intimidated because he has dino legs and is the fastest person in the known universe. He'll go slow. Skipper tripped over the ropes on their way out the door, and the gazelle took off down the green and blue hallway. He tried to follow, but the gazelle just turned into a red and blue blur. A few moments later, the gazelle came jogging back and put his hand on Skipper's shoulder. Do you have wall climbing abilities? Um, no. Okay, we'll take the stairs. The gazelle grabbed on to Skipper, pulling him in the direction that he wanted to go, and they were going so fast, Skipper felt like he was flying. They passed through an open doorway, which led to a pitch black staircase. He thought the gazelle was just going to jump over them, but he came to an abrupt stop. Apparently, there was a disintegrator ray over there, and it would disintegrate you within seconds. Skipper would have to jump past the first two steps and land on the third. Why did we help him? (laughs) uh, 
In the immortal words of Miss Noxima Jackson, there are times <laughs> when you help people. And then there are times when if you help people, you end up getting killed. So then you don't help people. I'm just saying. Exactly. It was at this exact moment that Skipper really wished his diet didn't consist of Pop-Tarts and Frosted Flakes. The gazelle instructed him to get running and leap. Don't think too hard about it. It'll be easy. Yeah, easy for someone with dino legs. The gazelle went first and landed on the fifth step, safely bypassing the disintegrator ray. Skipper was up. His whole body felt like jello. The gazelle was calling up to him, telling him to hurry. It's not that high. He'll catch him. Skipper took a deep breath, started to run, and leaped his very best leap. He landed with, he landed with a thud on the first step. Yeah. I'm not going to run, though. Like... <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll help you and whatnot and I'll come, you know, I'll untie your ass all day long. I'm not running though. <laughs> Why couldn't you just take him with him over the stairs? Like, just use your dino legs and take you both, right? I don't yeah, get like, it. Yeah, like, it's a piggyback. Like, you don't know what a piggyback is? Right. Skipper started to scream as a disintegrator ray passed through his body. Actually, he felt nothing. I guess the mass mutant hadn't turned the ray on. The gazelle parted to laugh. Skipper had caught a break and the was one was lucky dick. kid. He just wanted to... Yep. He's messing with you. <laughs> Leave the gazelle. The skipper felt the farthest thing from lucky as cold sweat poured down his body. The galloping gazelle said it was time to meet their destiny which Skipper did not like the sound of. They went down another hall, through metal doors, and entered the most amazing room. It was glowing with color and decorated like the fanciest, most expensive office Skipper had ever seen. The plush carpet touched his ankles, it was so thick, and crystal chandeliers hung from the ceiling. There was a big screen TV in one corner and velvet couches and chairs near a floor-to-ceiling bookshelf at the other. At the back was a gold-plated desk with a chair that resembled a throne. All Skipper could say was, wah. And the gazelle said, yeah, he treats himself nicely, but his time was up. What did he mean by that? The only reason the mass mutant had caught the gazelle was because he was napping. Otherwise, he's way too fast for him. He would run and run and run circles around him, making a tornado and blowing him away. Skipper followed the gazelle to the center of the room, but paused when the laughter from the lobby filled, filled the room. The gold desk started to shift and change shape, and soon enough, the mass mutant was standing before them. He was much taller and scarier than Skipper had imagined, and he tried his best to hide behind the gazelle. The mass mutant shook his fist at them and bellowed, how dare you enter my private office? Say goodbye to this ill-gotten splendor, shouted the gazelle. 
The mass mutant spotted Skipper and said, I'll capture you easily, Gazelle, but first, watch me destroy the king. Skipper shrank as the mass mutant stepped toward him, his fist still raised and his eyes dark and menacing behind his mask. He was going to be destroyed. There was nowhere to run or to hide. The mass mutant had locked the doors as soon as they entered. In the nick of time, the gazelle stepped forward and blocked the mutant from getting to Skipper. He was going to have to defeat him if he wanted Skipper. The mass mutant laughed and said that would be easy, and their battle began. Skipper ran and backed up against a wall as the mutant and the gazelle faced off. He was running in circles, faster and faster, filling the room with a strong wind that was tearing books off the shelves and other things flying around the room. He was executing his plan. He was going to create a tornado and blow the mutant away. Skipper felt elated. They were winning. Then his heart sunk. The mass mutant stuck his foot out from the tornado and the gazelle tripped, falling face first the floor with a thundering thud. The wind stopped. The mass mutant stood over the defeated gazelle, his hands at his waist in triumph. Skipper screamed, get up! But there was no movement from the gazelle and the mass mutant dinner time and he began to his face contorted and he lowered his body to the floor he had transformed himself into a snarling leopard he pounced on top of the lifeless gazelle and began clawing and scratching he tore off the bottom of his mask with his teeth all while skipper was screaming for him to get up Skipper's surprise, the gazelle opened his eyes and managed to roll out from underneath the grip of the mass mutant. Once on his feet, the mass mutant took one last strike and tore through gazelle's cape. The gazelle made a beeline for the door and shouted, You're on your own, kid! <laughs> Skipper screamed. Wait! <laughs> Sorry. The gazelle didn't hear him. He pushed the metal doors with his shoulder and disappeared. Nice. The I knew the gazelle was a cipher. dick. Mm -hmm. I knew it. Kid, you're going to have to he talk pretty cipher. fast to get out of this. Like, I, I think all you need to be is like, hey, bro, like, I'm not trying to start shit. Like, we had a lot of running back there. This looks like a good place for a break. Like, I feel like if, if, if you could just, like, give me 10, I'll be out of your hair. We can talk about this. Yeah, we can make a deal. <clears throat> also, I thought he was about to eat him alive, and that would have been really dark. <laughs> like, it got dark real fast. <laughs> Sorry, continue. The mass mutant had set his sights on Skipper and started to change again, back into his mutant form, and laughed. <laughs> You're on your own, kid. Skipper inched along the wall. He couldn't run and couldn't fight. He couldn't believe the gazelle had left him. They should change his name to the Galloping Chicken. Keeping flat against the wall, the mass mutant stood at the door at the center of the room, smiling with glee and enjoying Skipper's fear. So, what are your powers, kid? He asked Skipper. Can you shrink yourself into a bug? Or are you a mind fogger? Do you burst into flames? Tell me, the mutant demanded. Skipper shouted back he had no powers and the mutant was not pleased with him. He only wanted to know so he could make being destroyed easier on him. But if he won't tell him his powers, fine. That's his mistake. 
Out of the corner of his eye, he spotted a rock on the shelf or some kind of round object that might be able to become a weapon. As the mass mutant approached, he grabbed the rock, which turned out to be a ball of steel, and heaved it at him. And missed. Skipper tried to duck, but he was much too fast. He realized that the mutant was moving his molecules and making his arms stretch out to reach Skipper, grab him, and lift him high into the ceiling. His head was brushing the crystals of the chandeliers. This was it. The mass mutant was getting ready to drop Skipper and send him plummeting to his death. Then the metal doors opened, leaving Skipper suspended in the air, and the mass mutant shouted, You! He tried to look to the crystals, but he couldn't see who was at the door. But luckily, the mutant's grip had loosened ever so slightly, and he was finally low enough to see. Libby? What are you doing here? Libby's back. Oh, Libby. Libby, Libby, Libby. Libby better be the mutant's, like, niece or something important. (laughs) Because I feel like Libby just frolics around. (laughs) With her comic books. Yeah, like I'm a pretty redhead who likes lame comics. What's going on? (laughs) Wink, wink. (laughs) The mass mutant lowered Skipper to to the ground and turned to face Libby. Skipper's legs were so wobbly, he was holding the bookshelf for balance. Libby shouted back at him. What are you doing here? I saw you go into the building from across the street and was shouting at you. Skipper hadn't heard or seen Libby when he got to the headquarters. Libby seemed really pissed off at Skipper and was paying no attention to the mass mutant, which Skipper found odd. She was in the same room with the world's most powerful supervillain and she hasn't looked his direction once. The mass mutant was growing impatient and stomped his foot on the carpet. I guess I'll have to destroy you both, he sneered. Libby sneered back. We're leaving now. The mass mutant grew more incensed. Excuse me? You're not leaving this building ever. They were officially in a sneer off. Until Libby finally made eye contact with the mutant and her expression changed. She whispered to Skipper, We have to do something. Do something? What could they do against a supervillain? Libby looked around at all the shelves and pulled down a yellow plastic gun. Skipper was confused. What did she plan on doing with that? Libby figured, if this is a real comic book, but comic books aren't real, why can't we pretend this gun is real? She pointed the gun at the mass mutant, threatening to pull the trigger, and he laughed. She egged him on some more and said it was a molecule melter, and if she fires, he'll be toast. The mass mutant just kept stepping. Kept, being, kept taking steps closer and closer to them. Libby aimed the gun at the mutant's chest and fired. A high-pitched whistle filled the room when the gun went off and the mutant just kept stepping forward. He took another step and closer and closer and then came to a halt. A bright white light shone at his body and it made sounds like a crackling electrical current. He began to moan and wail. The mass mutant was shrinking, his head was getting tinier in his mask, and his clothes began to engulf him. Soon enough, he was a pile of rumpled clothes and a mask on the floor. Skipper's brain was doing flip-flops. He could not believe the toy gun worked. 
He was elated. And Libby, Libby didn't seem surprised at all. She said she warned him and he didn't listen as she kicked the crumpled pile. Skipper shouted, let's get the hell out of here and turned to the door. But Libby wasn't following. Instead, she was pointing the gun at Skipper and said, sorry, Skipper, I can't. You're disappearing next. She had to be joking. What a sick sense of humor. But she kept the gun raised at his chest and Skipper's sense of relief changed. What is her actual problem? I'm not Libby, Skipper. There is no Libby. Oh. As she spoke the words, her face began to change. Her red hair dissolved into her head and her eyes changed from green to black. She began to get taller and her little arms grew big and muscular. Her clothes faded away and revealed an outfit that looked really familiar. It was the costume of the mass mutant. But how could that be? They just saw him melt. Nope. Apparently, Libby had vaporized the magnificent Molecule Man. He worked for the mutant, and sometimes he would have him dress like him to keep people off his trail. Skipper's head was spinning, but he began to catch on. There was no Libby, and he was still very much in the clutches of the real mass mutant. He stepped over the melted molecule. She was. You were on to her. You knew it. I knew it. Can't trust a redhead. <clears throat> I didn't know it, but I knew <laughs> The real mass mutant stepped over the melted molecule man and came face to face with Skipper, who had pressed himself against the wall. He was going to have to do something very bad to him now. Skipper screamed, why? Why can't I just leave? I will go home and never tell anyone about this place. The mutant said he can't leave. He belongs here now. He knew it the minute that he stepped off the bus and found the headquarters. He has been searching for new foes, new stories, and Skipper was the perfect star. But his story has come to an end and it was time to say goodbye. I'm a real person, not a comic book character, Skipper screamed. The mutant sneered again and said, no, you're not. You're a comic book character now. Skipper didn't believe anything he was saying and pinched his arm and it hurt. That meant he was still real and the mutant was a liar. While the mutant did admit to being a liar and a very good one, he wasn't lying about this. The first time in the building with Libby, the beam of light that passed over him was a scanner. It turned him into a cluster of black, yellow, and red, and blue dots. He was now part of the comic book world, just like the mass mutant. But it was time for his story to end. He would never appear in another comic book again. The mutant had wasted too much time. He had to destroy Skipper now. Skipper shouted, I'm not Skipper Matthews. The mutant rolled his eyes. Oh, really? I'm the Colossal Elastic Boy. The mass mutant left out an exasperated sigh. Oh, I thought you looked familiar. Nevertheless, you're being destroyed. 
Elastic Boy said it was time for him to go. He shouldn't be involved in any crossovers, and he was going back to his home planet. The Masked Mutant blocked the door. He wasn't going anywhere. He had invaded his lair and must be destroyed. Elastic Boy was confident and reminded him that he doesn't break, only bend, and he would just squeeze him to death with elastic arms. The mutant was over these shenanigans and vowed to rip up Skipper into little pieces and then rip them again. Skipper just laughed. The only way you can destroy me is with sulfuric acid. Oops. Now the mutant knew his weakness. Great. The mass mutant... Right? Smart one. The mass mutant flashed a sinister grin and began to shapeshift into a giant wave of sulfuric acid that came crashing towards Skipper and the door. The wave missed Skipper by inches. But he had done it. He had defeated the mutant. Just an average 12-year-old beat the world's most powerful supervillain. It was really a simple trick. Skipper remembered from the comics that he could turn himself into anything solid, but Skipper had him turn to liquid and from that, he couldn't rebuild his molecules. Skipper was elated. He couldn't wait to go home and back to his normal life. The bus ride felt like it was hours long. When he got home, he noticed there was a new comic book waiting for him. But after this adventure, who needs it? And he left it inside the paper bag. He went to find Mitzi and asked her to play a game of Frisbee outside. She was shocked. Skipper never wanted to play with her. But today, Skipper wanted to live his life, and they played in the yard for over an hour and had a great time. They came inside and were hungry. So Mitzi pointed out the chocolate cake on the counter, the perfect snack. Skipper grabbed a large knife and began to cut the cake, but it slipped and cut him. He raised his hand to check the damage and couldn't believe his eyes. Something was trickling from the cut, but it wasn't blood. It was red, yellow, blue, and black ink. He shouted for Mitzi to grab the comic book he got. Maybe his career wasn't over. The end. I don't know. That's so I, I guess if I'm ever faced with the masked mutant... I just have to say, my, my my only weakness is Jason Momoa and a million dollars. No, he has to turn to liquid. Oh, well. <laughs> Still could be fun for a few minutes, anyway. Could be fun for a few minutes. But that's what he did. He turned to liquid. That oh, was his bourbon, trip. then. My only Let's weakness go. is aged Kentucky bourbon. And he turned to bourbon, and then you'd live. And we'd have bourbon. Have like a, a sea of bourbon to drink. Right? No, I, I like, like that, that one. one. It's fun. yeah, yeah. It's not like a scary one, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I I will say I was I was getting scary vibes in the beginning, just like the whole like I'm in an unknown building where I shouldn't be, and I'm in this elevator that's going yeah. places that I shouldn't want. So like that bit of it, I thought was very scary. Yeah. But it's and um, finding pictures of yourself is weird. You know, I don't. What do you, what number goosebumps is this? Do you know? Let me see if the book says. Sometimes they say, and sometimes they don't. 
Number sorry. 25. Okay, so it's 25. He's written quite a few of these at this point. And I, I thought it was pretty original. Yeah. Like, I didn't, there wasn't, like, any kind of, like, mm-hmm. formulaic stuff. That was very interesting content. Right. Mm-hmm. Good job. I like this one. You know what's, you know what's funny? We really haven't read many of the original OG, like, 24. Hmm. Looking at this now. Well, I think We've that we are now done... all caught up with requests. So you, you kind of get to Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woohoo. I like requests. They keep the pressure off of me. I'm just. What do I pick? I should have Ronan pick. Call Ronan. Be like, Ronan, oh, pick Oh, yes. Let the mascot pick. <laughs> or maybe I'll do Piano Lessons Can Be Murder since he just watched that. Maybe I'll do that. Well, one. I think that's a that's fan favorite, too. Yeah, that's an OG. That's number 13. So let's see. Out of the original 25, we've only done Welcome to Dead House, Say Cheese and Die, Ghost Next Door, Haunted Mask, Be Careful What You Wish For. Did we do You Can't Scare Me? I don't think so. Yes. The Mud Monsters. We did? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the Mud Monsters. Okay. And that's it. And now this one. This is 25. I feel like a lot of the OG ones that we've done have come from requests because I think you get more requests than I do. Because people yeah. are, they really, like, attach to... Yeah. Specific goosebumps. Yeah, there's good ones still in here. We still have to do Monster Blood, Monster Blood 2. Oh, one yeah. Day in Borderlands, I, I know that I read Monster Blood, but I cannot remember what it was about. We'll get to that one. Uh, Maybe we'll do Piano Lessons Can Be Murder next, since I'm thinking about it. I don't think we I got to do One Day in Horrorland. I do remember Horrorland. I love that one. Do you, is, do you have that, that one in your stash? I should. I'm, you know, I may not actually. I have to think. I know I have Piano Lessons Can Be Murder and the Monster Bloods, but I do not think I have One Day at Horrorland. But I'll check that big stack you gave me from your friend. Okay. It may be in there. And there was like a compendium one that was in there, like a hardback. And I oh, don't remember what was like that. It was had like, you know, four books in one. Or- no, it was real. It was like, you know, they put those books together. Like, here's four books in one book. Oh, like how they gotcha, did that sometimes. Gotcha, gotcha. It was one of those, yeah. So I, I don't like exactly those. recall what was in that one. So I'll check that one for Horrorland. But if not, I can easily find it. Right. I definitely have Why I'm Afraid of Bees. Yeah. Go Eat Worms. I haven't even done Go Eat Worms yet. Oh, Go Eat Worms. worms. I remember Go Eat Worms. Kind of, kind of. I have read so many books at this point that, like, (laughs) it all starts to between the books and like all the shows and Mm. the novellas. Like, all the plot points are just kind of all smushed. Sweet. Well, I like that one. That one has my stamp of approval. If you out there listening like the show and would like to give us your stamp of approval. Um, please do so wherever you listen to your podcast, go on there, give us a five star rating. If you don't want to give a five star rating, that's totally cool. Just don't give us one. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and there's actually, there's a lot of different places to review. Cause like I, I listen on Stitcher and sometimes I want to give people a review. It's really hard to find how to do that. Like they don't, yeah, they don't like put it up to where, cause a lot of, most other places, it's like right there, where you can go on and be like, right. "I like this one," 
and and give it a review. Yeah, Stitcher's like apples hard. right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Apple's right there. Castbox, you can leave a comment. Um mm-hmm. You know, but if you, for some reason, if you're not able to to leave a review wherever you listen, you can certainly go over to the Facebook page and leave a review there. We've had a number of people do that. We thank you. Um, and the reviews, aside from building up our ego, they help us go higher in the search engine. So when people yeah. out there like you want to find a new podcast about uh, Goosebumps or Fear Street and they go search for us, the more reviews you have, the higher you come up in the search. So it just brings more people yeah to us that's all we are very quickly approaching the 10,000 download mark I was gonna suggest we record that tonight but we can table that till we actually get to 10,000 but we're very close we're only about 500 away um so that's coming very soon so if you are listening to this and we are going to wait to record the uh the 10,000 episode 10,000 download special episode we do on our Facebook have the Q&A up, and the idea is that when we do hit 10,000 downloads, we're going to drop a special episode that's going to be very cash, where we're just going to go and answer the questions that you guys post for us in the Facebook group. So if that's something that yeah. you want to do, go put your question in, and we will answer it for you on the special episode. Yay. Yay. Until next time, we are out. Like we just had our second COVID shot.